You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. This is an Allied Health and Nursing Education Outreach Program podcast in collaboration with the Education Hub at the Royal Children's Hospital. Hello, my name is Claire. I'm a clinical nurse educator with the Royal Children's Hospital Allied Health and Nursing Outreach Program. Today I'm speaking with Emma McDonald. Emma is a clinical nurse consultant with the RCH Comfort Kids Program. Emma has previously joined us to talk about the management of procedural pain and distress. You might want to check out that previous podcast. It's called Comfort Kids. Today we're going to be discussing nitrous oxide and its use in procedural sedation. Thanks so much for joining us again, Emma. Thank you for having me back. Last time we spoke, you mentioned the use of sedation agents as a tool to support procedures. Nitrous oxide is probably one of the more commonly used agents. Can you take us through what procedural sedation is and how nitrous oxide fits in? Yeah, definitely. So procedural sedation basically just refers to when we use medications to support patients to feel less pain and less anxiety when they're undergoing a medical procedure. Nitrous oxide, which is also sometimes referred to as laughing gas or happy gas, is one of these medications that we often use to support procedures for children. And studies in children have shown that nitrous oxide is an effective and safe agent for reducing pain during procedures. It's got a quick onset and a quick recovery time, which make it an ideal pharmacological agent to support children with these types of things. Nitrous oxide has several pharmacological properties that we're seeking when we use it. And these include things like anesthesia, analgesia, anxiolysis, and amnesia. I like to think of them as the four A's. We can use nitrous oxide in children where we need a short-acting analgesia for procedures that may cause pain, discomfort, or anxiety. It can be used in many different clinical areas. So we use it on the wards or in outpatient clinics and sometimes in the emergency department. For short, painful procedures, that might include things like blood tests, IV insertions, maybe manipulating minor fractures or molding a plaster cast, burns, dressings, or procedures like a lumbar puncture or catheter insertion or port access. It's important to remember that really painful procedures or prolonged procedures are not ideal for using nitrous oxide and we should find a suitable alternative sedation in these cases. Nitrous oxide is an inhaled gas that can be delivered via a mask that covers the nose and mouth. It can also be given via a mouthpiece if the child's old enough to hold onto it. Nitrous oxide is always delivered mixed with oxygen. At RCH, we predominantly use a continuous flow system, which allows the person administering it to titrate the concentration mix of nitrous oxide and oxygen to reach the ideal level of sedation for that patient. So it's important to note that the maximum percentage of nitrous oxide we can give is 70%, so the patient's always receiving at least 30% oxygen. It's also available in a pre-mixed cylinder, so with 50% nitrous and 50% oxygen, and you sometimes see that it's called Entonox. Because it's pre-mixed, it's not able to be titrated, so it's delivered via a demand-triggered system. So a little one-way valve that requires the child to generate enough negative pressure on inspiration to open it. Are there any specific considerations we need to take into account when deciding if nitrous is the best choice for a particular patient? Yeah, like all medications, nitrous oxide should only be used where the benefits outweigh the risks. And there are several factors to consider in this. There are some absolute contraindications, so situations where nitrous should never be given, and that includes things like airway and breathing compromise, like acute respiratory depression or a current asthma exacerbation, expansion of a gas-filled space or spaces, for example, pneumothorax or obstructive airway disease, maybe things like a recent craniectomy or bowel obstruction or even a middle ear effusion. 
Nitrous is also not safe for patients with an altered GCS, so maybe if they've had a head injury. There's also several relative contraindications for the use of nitrous, and these don't necessarily mean that nitrous can't be given, but that we should give it with extra caution and in consultation with experienced or specialised clinicians with additional safety measures taken when necessary. These might be things like a prior adverse event related to nitrous oxide, concurrent illness or other medical history that mean they have an increased risk of airway compromise, such as respiratory infection, OSA or obesity. It might also include children who are already receiving medications that can cause sedation, like opioids. Any contraindications or concurrent illnesses should always be discussed with the patient's treating team before administering nitrous oxide. Age is also an important consideration. For example, here at RCH on the wards and in outpatient areas, we would only administer nitrous oxide to children over the age of two, but in the emergency department, they might administer it down to around six months of age. This is just because younger children are at greater risk of airway compromise. So it's important to note that what may be safe in one clinical area might not be in another, just depending on your resources and level of expertise and airway management. Other things to consider regarding when nitrous might be appropriate may include the location of a procedure on the person's body. So, for example, if you need to suture a face, facial laceration um, and the mask might get in the way of that, it might be better to choose a different option. Great. That's good to know. Um, listeners can also find a lot more detail about the various contraindications in the RCH Nitrous Clinical Practice Guideline um, and the Ward and Ambulatory Areas Sedation Procedure. And both of those documents are available online. And of course, you should always refer to your local policies and procedures as well. Yeah, definitely. As you've pointed out, nitrous oxide is a medication. And like all medications, there's the potential for side effects. Could you describe for us some of the potential issues or adverse reactions we might come across during administration of nitrous and how we can best manage them? Yeah, the best way to manage adverse reactions is to try to avoid them occurring in the first place. So we do this by thorough planning and risk assessment prior to commencing the procedure. A pre-sedation checklist must be completed and documented to ensure that the patient is safe to receive nitrous. And if there's any red flags during that or you're just a bit unsure about anything, you should not proceed until you're able to discuss these concerns with a suitably experienced clinician. It's vital that you have emergency equipment checked and on hand whenever you give nitrous so that you can intervene promptly if anything goes wrong. So we always have a bag valve mask, oxygen and suction on hand um, and a resource trolley close by. We also always have at least two appropriately trained staff members in the room during a nitrous procedure, at least one who's doing the procedure and one who's administering the nitrous. That way, if anything was to go wrong, there's a person who can manage the patient's airway while another person can send for help or call a med. Nitrous is typically well tolerated in children, but some of them do experience side effects. Some of the common side effects that we see might include nausea or vomiting, dizziness and lightheadedness, and we also sometimes see things like hallucinations or agitation. Prolonged administration time can increase the chance of these side effects, especially things like vomiting, which is why it may not be the most suitable agent if we're aiming for a longer procedure. Major side effects are pretty rare, but could include things like aspiration or loss of airway patency. Our aim is always to achieve a minimal to moderate sedation, where a sedation score is no more than two on the UMSS scale. This means your patient may be sleepy, but responds to verbal conversation and sounds, or even light tactile stimulus. If your patient becomes oversedated or vomits, you should pause the procedure, administer 100% oxygen, support their airway as required, and if you need to, call help. At the end of the sedation episode, it's important to give three to five minutes of 100% oxygen to flush out the nitrous and avoid diffusion hypoxia. Diffusion hypoxia is where 
a rapid diffusion of nitrous oxide out of the blood into the alveolar sacs can dilute oxygen and CO2 concentration in the alveolar and can produce a hypoxia. So in my experience, sometimes uh, children don't like to have the mask held on their face at the end of the procedure. Have you got any advice for what we can do in this situation? Yeah, I've definitely seen this before. So if children are distressed by the post-oxygenation via the nitrous circuit, you could switch them over to oxygen via a Hudson mask if they find that more tolerable. Um, And I've also done things like using devices like a countdown timer and counting the minutes with the kids just to engage them in that process might help. So in the last podcast, we spoke at length about how important planning is for successful procedures. Do you have any advice for listeners to help them to best prepare patients and families for nitrous administration? Yeah, that's a great question because especially in younger kids, but really in kids of any age, having a mask over your nose and mouth can be a bit of a confronting feeling, especially when you're in an unfamiliar environment with unfamiliar people and you don't feel very well. So preparation is really key to success with nitrous. Showing children the mask and explaining that they can breathe normally and still will be able to talk to people is helpful. For little ones, we can do things like modelling the mask on teddy bear or on mum or dad. Engaging children with the equipment and letting them have some time to play with it before the procedure can also help. So we sometimes do things like give the kids a mask and a sheet of stickers and leave them for some time to decorate the mask. And that just helps to increase the familiarity and takes away some of the fear associated with the foreignness. Uh, We can also use flavoured lip balms, which you can smear on the inside of the mask to help give the gas a bit more of a pleasant smell. Letting the child choose the flavour and apply it to the mask also helps to engage them in that process. If you have child life therapy, definitely get them involved with helping to prepare the child and to support them. There's also some really great resources produced here at the RCH, like our Be Positive videos, which explain common procedures from the perspective of a child. And these are available to anyone via our website or on YouTube. You can just search for a child's guide. And there's one there showing a child's guide to nitrous oxide. I love these videos and I find that they're really helpful. And often they give information and reassurance to the parents as much as they do to the children. Thanks so much, Emma. We'll need to wrap up there, unfortunately. But I think what I'm going to take away from our chat today is that just like any other procedure, it's all about planning and assessment and that you need to be aware of the resources and expertise that you have available when you're deciding if procedural sedation is a safe intervention for your patient. And finally, proper, properly preparing the child and family is always the key to the success of procedures. So as I said before, our listeners, you can find more information on this topic at the Royal Children's Hospital Clinical Practice Guidelines for Nitrous Oxide. And there's also the procedural sedation for ward and ambulatory areas procedure. And both of these are available online, which you can find through an internet search. And as always, thank you so much for joining us and we hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks for listening. Please view the description section below for more information on this topic. The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.